You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast, brought to you by Full Time Fantasy. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daly. Time to make it hot. Welcome in. This is the Hot Take Podcast. And we are back. It is exciting times, guys. We are back with a brand new episode of The Hot Take. It's been a little while, but, you know, some things have changed. It's going to be a new season here. And now we're back to talk some football on a weekly basis. I'm excited to introduce to you my new co-host, Josh Dolly. What is going on, buddy? Living the dream, brother. Glad to be a part of The Hot Take here and excited to be recording the first episode here for the new season. Yeah, man. You know, so I guess we met because I was writing for fan tracks and the next fan up, you, you, you welcomed me on and we, we had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Had a couple seasons there at next fan up kind of, uh, not really sure what's going on there with, uh, next fan up right now. If we're going to be moving forward with the season, we just punched out a, uh, CBA episode so it's a very fan-centric episode with uh, me and the other team's super fans. But, uh, yeah, we I don't know if we're going to have the uh, fantasy show going. There's kind of a lot going on right now with some uncertainty. But hopefully we have another season of that coming up. But, uh, but hey, we're all, we're all about the hot take right here. So I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, the hot take has uh, had a little bit of history now, of course. Uh, you know, shout out to... My former co-host, Blake Sullivan, of course, we're going to have him on at some point here, um, probably pretty frequently because, um, you know, obviously this show would not have been a thing uh, without Blake. So I just want to shout out Blake. Best of luck with everything with uh, him. Uh, and of course, he's got, you know, the fantasy gaming network that he does over there. And that occupies a lot of his time anyway. So I feel as if, uh, you know, it's best to uh, keep it going here. Um, and I'm excited to talk about 2020 Dynasty for one thing. And Josh, you know, a, a lot of the time we've talked fantasy is, is for DFS, right? But right now we're going complete opposite. We're going long term. And a lot of dynasty startups are going on right now. So I just want to get right into it. I want to talk about who are you targeting in a dynasty startup right now? And this could be at any point in the draft, you know, your obvious names are going to be up there like Nick Chubb people like that that you won in the first round, but who are you looking at that you think you can get maybe at a discount? You know, I don't know if it's going to be at a discount, um, but the, I definitely love David Montgomery. There is some negative kind of blowback here on Montgomery, but I mean, I just feel like the situation is, is it's very strong. It's not like uh, the situation where you saw Jameis Winston having a lack of a running game, like in Tampa, for example, and sometimes that can help because you know that the quarterback's going to be throwing a lot. And I think this is kind of the inverse. I mean, we've seen the we've seen these Bears games where David Montgomery is out there and he looks great. And it would just be nice to, you know, we did see it at the end of the season. He did get a little more run. But how many times did we see Nagy on the sidelines just so frustrated with the offense and – it's inability to execute. And I feel like with Montgomery out there, you know, we did see him start to really pick up the carries uh, in that, like I mentioned in the second half of the season, but it was, 
it, it just seemed like the offense flowed a little bit better. And I mean, if you're trying to hide a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky, uh, I feel like getting Montgomery the ball is the way to do that. And right now in dynasty leagues, if I'm doing a startup, I'm finding that I do have him just a little bit higher than your average dynasty rankings right now. Um, of course, I do a little bit of work over at Fantasy Pros. Quick glance at some of the running back rankings, um, you know, that we have for Dynasty over there. Uh, Montgomery, you know, popped in right now at the number 18. And, you know, me personally, I've had, I have him in that 13 and 14 range ahead of guys like Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon, who I just, I just think are in that wave of running backs that, you know, everyone's saying, oh, you shouldn't have paid these guys. And then, and then now look what's happening. So uh, from a dynasty standpoint, I definitely have Montgomery above those guys. And he's who I'm targeting personally. Yeah, you know, I think the way we kind of started this was, uh, you know, saying the word a discount, right? And you said, yeah, I'm not sure if that's going to be, you know, viable at this point. Um, but I, I really do think it is. And just because, you know, kind of like you mentioned, there's not a lot of positive positivity going on with David uh, Montgomery right now, especially with that Bears offense. What's going on with Mitch Trubisky? I mean, this is his last shot. And it's early on in his career, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, if he plays, let's say, as he did last year, you know, let's say he just stays stagnant. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, I just – I believe that that would be his last chance. You're right. They need to lean on David Montgomery. You know, it would be a lot more clear – um, without Tariq Cohen there for uh, a lot of people. Um, but I, I do really believe that the Bears would be doing themselves a disservice if they got rid of Cohen at this point. Um, they need to find a way to get him involved in the passing game to help Trubisky even more underneath. They really did a bad job of that last year. And again, they really didn't do a good job of getting David Montgomery involved. But I will say there were times last year where Montgomery didn't look great. Would you agree with that, Josh? Were you, would you say that, you know, for me, when I was watching him, a lot of times he hesitated and didn't make decisive cuts. And when he did that, he was a lot better. Yeah, I think one game in particular that kind of that sticks out in my memory is that game that they really struggled to win against Giants uh, back in the middle of the year. I mean, he just couldn't get anything going on the ground. But, you know, he had a couple of performances like that uh, against the Rams, I believe, as well. And now that I'm looking here, those were back-to-back weeks. And that was kind of – that's a point last year when coming off those two subpar performances where, you know, people were just trashing him. I mean, that's pretty much all you saw if you were looking up David Montgomery stuff on Twitter. And that's at, that's the point where, you know, I was targeting him in – uh, my current dynasty leagues, but you know, since we're talking about startup, I mean, Hey, this is, this is why I love doing startups at this time of the year, because this is when I want to be able to get David Montgomery, who's ranked, you know, as the 18th running back, which I think is fair in dynasty. I mean, he did finish as the RB 20 last year. So to, to have him higher up in my rankings, that's, this is a time of year where I can capitalize on that because I do feel like, you know, Melvin Gordon might be a free agent out for a while and, uh, you know, maybe his value takes a hit. So I, I think the ability for, for Montgomery to leapfrog the guys, like I mentioned, like Gurley and, and, uh, Melvin Gordon, not that I don't, uh, not that I hate those guys. It's just, I feel like eventually he's going to kind of come back, but, uh, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, there, there was definitely a couple games where, where he sucked. And I mean, that's, that's cause I think the bears offense as a whole really couldn't get anything going. And, 
Um, so I feel bad for Allen Robinson as well. Allen Robinson is at least in a good situation just because he's hyper-targeted at times, as he should be. You know, and I think that Mitch Trubisky is just at a point in his career right now where he needs to hyper-target. You know, we see a lot of backup quarterbacks come in, you know, in the past with DeAndre Hopkins. You know, we weren't that you know, upset when, you know, someone would come in and just give uh, DeAndre Hopkins 19 targets. So, you know, Allen Robinson is definitely in a good position. I, I would argue right now better than, but, than Montgomery, but, you know, Josh, you're completely right. The, it's clear that Montgomery's in a good situation where he is the number one back that's going to get the bulk of the carries. And you could argue your Detroit Lions looking at on Johnson, similar situation, but I would say he's even safer than Johnson as far as the ability to give him the ball without, you know, doing this whole committee approach that the Lions, you know, have done in the past. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the appeals for me with Montgomery is, you know, we know he's going to be the guy and you know, I, it's like you, you said with Cohen, you know, they definitely, I thought, for all the praise that, you know, Matt Nagany had received recently, I right. thought that he did do a bad job getting uh, not only Montgomery the ball, but Cohen as well. And I mean, it just seemed like too many times, of course, I got to see them play the entire game against, uh, you know, the Lions both times I, I watched that uh, go down when the Lions were in full tank mode. But it's, uh, you know, it was just, it was weird because the way that they were being utilized was – and it was almost opposite. Like there was a lot of short yardage situations where you'd see Tariq Cohen in there. And it's like, man, you would at least think, you know, Mike Davis or Montgomery would be in there if that's how they wanted to play it. And it was just, it was really strange, the running back usage. And, you know, we know that throwing the ball to the running backs is, is probably the most efficient thing you can do. I mean, even Montgomery, you know, catching, uh, you know, 71% of his passes uh, or targets, I should say, um, you know, a little over five yards a target, but I mean, Hey, if you're, if you're doing that twice in a, in a series, I mean, you're going to, you're going to move the chains at least once. So it's, it's one of those things where the effectiveness as being that featured number one guy uh, could be better. It, it just, we, we want to see him get, uh, you know, that same, that same workload, you know, with touches, including the receiving. So, you know, let's get 250 carries, but you know, it'd be nice to also see him maybe take, you know, a step up into maybe like the 45 reception range. You know whose ceiling I think is higher in 2020 than David Montgomery? Lay it on me. It's Devin Singletary. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I would not have ever said that going into last season. I was big on David Montgomery. You know, they traded up, the Bears traded up to get him, and it just looked beautiful. You had the naysayers praising Mike Davis, like he was going to give threats to David Montgomery. No. But, man, Devin Singletary, the last few weeks of the season, I mean, you know, he had 90%, 96% of the snaps in week 16. So after Frank Gore, you know, he kind of went away. At the beginning of the season, he, he was pretty annoying for Devin Singletary owners, and I think that was to be expected. But you, if you were a Singletary owner and you held on, you really got rewarded. And, you know, he averaged 5.1 yards per carry, which, look, I mean, that's what you want in, in, in your running back. I mean, rookie season, he got targeted 41 times. So he, in some games, you know, there was one, two, three, four games where he was targeted at least six times. Um, so you like to see that. And 
look, what's going on? Frank Gore is gone. Unless they bring anyone else in, it's Devin Singletary's show for a team that runs the ball 45%. And we're talking about Josh Allen as well here, which that's all great for Devin Singletary. The more Josh Allen runs and can pick up yards, the better Devin Singletary will produce. That's going to go hand in hand. Just like you've probably seen it, Josh, you know, with, you know, let's say Deshaun Watson, right? Uh, you know, Lamar Miller, who's seen his better days, at least was productive with Deshaun Watson, you know, with the running quarterback. I mean, what you saw this year with Lamar Jackson, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I mean, you've seen that all the way since like the days of Donovan McNabb, you know, in the Eagles days, like those, anytime, you know, they, that there was a productive running quarterback, the, the, the running back numbers would uptick. And that's, I think that's very characteristic here. And another reason I also like Singletary. So Singletary, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, and, you know, I think around this time of year, uh, things get a little wonky over there. Um, but Devin Singletary, according to this, is going at the 411 at, in Dynasty Startups. What a steal, in my opinion, really, what a steal. He's not even 23 yet. So, you know, when you, when you factor that in, that was his rookie season, and now you know that he's going to be the guy. Now, of course, this offseason could change things. They could bring in somebody. I don't know if they will. I don't think they will, but they certainly could. I mean, you know, they got, what, Yeldon there still, so they could maybe run him a little bit more next year. So, so that'll be interesting to see. But right now, Devin Singletary is in a great situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I take a look here uh, at the, the dynasty rankings for fantasy pros. You know, Singletary also, I feel like, being disrespected. You know, he's currently in at 22nd, and, I mean – it's just behind guys like Le'Veon Bell, major uncertainty there. Uh, you know, Chris Carson, you know, the injury, we're not going to know until we, he's coming out of the later stages of rehab, you know, how ready he's going to be come training camp. And, um, you know, Ken, Kenny Drake, I mean, that's, you know, and those, and those are the three running backs between Montgomery and Singletary. And, and then otherwise, I mean, based on how you might have these guys valued, these guys are in the same territory. So it's, it's definitely a situation that I love for Singletary with, like you said, Frank Gore being so annoying. I mean, he's annoyed us for years though. So it's, it's like, we can't hate on Frank Gore, you know, for he's love Frank Gore. Love Frank Gore. (laughs) Yeah. He's just doing his thing, man. They're talking uh, about him going back to Miami next year. Oh yeah. I mean, well, you know, that's, we hopefully, you know, hopefully we don't see that because I know there's a guy that, uh, that you like there. Uh, but there's, you know, but you mentioned the receptions and, you know, there, I mean, there, he had a game against uh, Baltimore where he, where he caught eight balls, but you know, you said four, four games where he's getting half a dozen targets. You love to see that, but it's weird that, you know, in, in some of those games early in the year where he wasn't getting a lot of run, you know, with, uh, with the carries that I thought that's how they would probably use him, especially after week one, uh, you know, and then came out and then it kind of went back to that. So uh, but it is nice to see that kind of development, you know, with these guys, these younger quarterbacks, um, you know, we do want to see these guys get more touches and, and kind of take, not necessarily take the burden off these younger quarterbacks, but um, I feel like the Bills offense is, is, has been trending in the right direction. And I, you know, I like that offense as a whole, uh, a little bit more better than the Bears. Uh, but yeah, both of these guys just, just neck and neck for me right now. Yeah, you're going to get Bills players for, at discounts again next year. Um, and we've already seen it. We've had a whole year of decent production from John Brown, Josh Allen, and Devin Singletary. 
Um, so yeah, uh, you know, Singletary along with the targets, you know, three, at least three games with, uh, 20 carries. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a high ceiling there for, for Singletary, especially look, if, if he's just the guy, they don't bring in anyone else. It's just him and Yeldon. It, it's guns blazing for Singletary and you're not going to have to pay up for him in redraft at all. Um, and then dynasty startup, you're still getting a value. So yeah, I, I love it all the way around for Singletary. So let's move on to the opposite end of the age spectrum here and uh, going from Singletary to Mr. David Johnson. It was a horrendous bust of a season for 2019 David Johnson owners. I I thought he was worthy of that first round pick too. I probably would have taken him, you know, if the circumstances were were there, you know, you're at that six, seven spot, David Johnson's good value. And, and, but, you know, he started off hot. I shouldn't say too hot, but, you know, the targets that he was getting and the way he was used in the passing game at the beginning of the season really was, you know, inspiring for David Johnson owners. And I think we saw it, you know, with that Kyler Murray-led offense that he could just be used as that passing back because that's what David Johnson can do. He's had an 80 reception season in his career. Josh, what are your thoughts on David Johnson? I mean, you're getting him at a crazy value right now. Um, he, his value has certainly dipped. No one wants to take a shot of him. He's just sitting there. Do you take a shot? I mean, it, I feel like some of this is going to be, you know, landing spot dependent the later we get here in the year. But, you know, as of you right now. as a free agent. You mean yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's because I, I feels like, that's the way that this is. And and I know Steve Kimes kind of came out and said that, um, you know, cutting him is not an option. Uh, you know, I, the people say these things. I mean, I don't trust Steve Kimes as far as, uh, as far as I can side eye the guy. So it's, <laughs> uh, it, it's just, let me be the first to say though, that I was definitely wrong. I, you know, I had him as, you know, the fifth overall pick all last year and he did not budge. I was very excited about the, prospects of this Arizona offense and don't get me wrong I mean dude if he stays there I still think he can be effective but I mean Kenyon Drake just looked amazing I was like he was like two or three days after they had traded him I mean he just went out and had a had a massive game for fantasy owners yeah don't 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 do that to me Josh (laughs) I'm done with David Johnson in Arizona because of Kenyon Drake Let's get David Johnson in another spot because Drake is in a beautiful position and his skill set is built for that team. Yeah, you know, one kind of ideal trade scenario that I have floating around in my head is I don't think Bruce Arians is very high on O.J. Howard at all. And I think that the Cardinals really – I mean, that's one weapon that I feel like they've never had is like a great tight end. And, um, you know, could you think of OJ Howard and Kyler Murray playing together? I mean, that would be awesome. And sending back, you know, David Johnson and, you know, whatever else the other way. I mean, it feels like a great trade scenario. I'm Uh, all for it. I'm all for it. I just feel like a change. I just feel like a change of scenery is probably necessary because you look at Johnson after, you know, a lost season, of coming you know coming off of 2017 where I mean the dude played the one game and you know then to come out and have the season like he did in 2018 uh you know not really what a lot of people expected there I mean you know you thought coming off of an 80 catch season in 2016 that he was going to be able to maybe get you 
you know, at least 60 catches. And, um, you know, it was definitely a disappointing season as far as, you know, the reception totals. Of course, he didn't even crack a thousand yards. Um, but, you know, to see what we saw in 2019, which is just kind of, I mean, I, I'm chalking most of this up to, you know, a lot of the injuries, but he just, he never looked right. And a lot of people are probably going to go back and maybe watch some of these Cardinals games and, you know, and, and just, he looks dusted. And, yeah. but, but I think a ton of that is due to injury. So yeah, man, let's get him in Tampa, which seems to by far be the most popular. Uh, you Definitely. Know, Definitely. I mean, look, it's the same as last year. Everyone won it you know, the, the more high profile free agent running backs to go to Tampa. It right. didn't happen. And, you know, it's Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. Terrible, terrible situation for fantasy. And, you know, now you have Bruce Arians talking about Ronald Jones in positive light. Um, so we'll see what happens with David Johnson. You know, I, I think that at this point, what, he's, he's going to be 29. It, it, you're going to get him at value. So, you know, depending on who's there, depending on, you know, you might get him in the um, well, in, in a dynasty startup, um, you know, I mean, he dropped, um, you know, I, I think the one I participated in recently, I think he went in the sixth round, seventh round, something like that, where you're not really losing out. I mean, it's, it's worth the shot. In redraft, it, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. He's probably going to be in a position where he's starting. He'll probably be a fourth or fifth round pick. I mean, what, what would you say? Like, let's say if he's the, on the Buccaneers, and he's going in being the starter, would he be a fourth-round pick, do you think? Oh, you know, I definitely think he could be because there's massive upside there, man. I mean, it's just it, the one thing you look at, and I, and I haven't seen a lot of the Cardinals tape yet from last year, but, I, but being that I own Jameis Winston pretty much everywhere in all my dynasty leagues, I have went back and looked at a lot of Buccaneers stuff. And there's just no consistency with pass catching out of the backfield. And that's something that David Johnson can definitely do. And this is, you know, somebody that he's familiar with in Arians. So it's like, it's just a match made in heaven, man. So if he, if he did land in Tampa, I mean, I think that's why it is the most popular speculative landing spot because that's what we all want to see, man. I mean, I think that's the best thing for David Johnson's value. I think that's the best thing for David Johnson's real life NFL career. And I personally would love to see it. So let's get him out there. And, you know, for me being a, a Jameis Winston owner in Dynasty, I feel like that would be awesome to have. We obviously can't rely on O.J. Howard in Tampa. So let's get somebody that he can throw the ball to underneath and be, you know, bail him out so he doesn't make so many of these boneheaded decisions, man. I mean, <laughs> how, how, how tired are we, are we seeing him just kind of chuck it? And it's like, you know, hey, having David Johnson there would definitely help that problem. And I think you could probably agree with me. That is his main, you know, uh, that's his main con is he's just, he's too turnover prone. Exactly. But, you know, with, with Jameis, you know, those turnovers are going to turn into him just having to pass the ball more. So it always, you know, it last this past season, definitely frustrating, but he, he came through with fantasy points. I mean, very rarely was he going under 300 passing yards and, uh, multiple touchdowns along with those multiple interceptions. So, yeah, it's the good and the bad with Jameis Winston. Um, you just hope that Bruce Arians can level him out at some point here. Um, you know, I was hoping that could happen a little bit quicker, but at least we did see, you know, a pretty massive fantasy season from Winston. Um, you would have to think that his floor it would be just a lot safer with David Johnson there catching some balls out of the backfield. And I think that's probably the best 
role that David Johnson could be in is, you know, giving him maybe something like 14 carries a game, but feeding him with, you know, five or six targets in the game. You know, that, that's what David Johnson should do right now in his career. Let, let's talk about wide receivers right now. And these are guys that you, we saw uh, the breakout last year, as far as I'm concerned with both of these guys. And we're going to talk about Kenny Galladay, your boy uh, from Detroit Lions uh, and Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos. So Kenny Galladay in a weird season where, you know, the, the Lions won three games. Matthew Stafford was done. How, how many games did Stafford play? Something like seven games? I think he played seven or eight, yeah. Something like that. Okay. And, you know, Galladay, you know, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, you know, with backup quarterback situation for Detroit – Galladay still got his, um, you know, he, he was peppered with targets and he caught a lot of touchdowns. So it, it really wasn't that much of a negative thing for Galladay, but let's not overthink this folks. Uh, a full season of Matthew Stafford is what we want for Kenny Galladay. And that's what we're projecting for next season. So um, how are you viewing Galladay right now, uh, Josh? And I know that you have to take away some of that bias there from being a Lions fan. You know, you, you know, you, you're you're definitely tugging at my uh, my fan my fandom strings here, but it's this, you know that you said it. He, I mean, this is my dude. You're talking about Babytron. Um, you know, I, I remember Derek. We had uh, Derek Brown on Next Fan Up. Derek came on with a Babytron uh, T-shirt on when we were doing the uh, pre-show video. Oh man, a little and, okay. A little and it's just you know there. Oh, it's just like, oh, best, best friends, best friends. <laughs> so it's, uh, but no, it, you know, to be honest with you, uh, you know, last year, this time uh, going into it, I mean, you know, the dude was targeted and, and same thing last year. It, it wasn't, you know, it was 119 targets and just didn't realize that as someone that watched all the games on a week by week basis. Um, I never sat down in one period and watched like all the games in succession uh, like I would, for example, like I just mentioned with the Buccaneers film. So, you know, seeing those games spread out, you didn't realize that he was targeted so much. And then last year, it's the same thing, but 116 targets, those, <laughs> those were a little different because like you mentioned, only half of those were coming from Matty Stafford. But, you know, you just wanted to see the same volume going in, but the only thing that you could really ask for was you know a little more efficiency and he gave that to you you know he he, he went from 71 percent to basically 74 and a half percent last year and you wanted to see him get in the box a few more times uh now keep in mind 2018 he did have quite a few touchdowns called back and, or get overturned uh last year he even had a few as well uh so he i mean if and that's the thing too here is if if one or two of those count you're talking about a dude having 13 touchdowns instead of 11, which is still great considering, right. he, you know, it was David Blau season here in Detroit. Um, yeah. So it's uh, you never really like to see the quote unquote camp arm uh, eventually starting games, but that's how the tank engine runs smoothly at the end of the season. So David um, Blau was probably a funny name to be said you know for a drunk lions fan after a touchdown that's not david blau all right oh yeah just getting revved up for some david blau only to be of course let down i mean he's not he's not gonna win the game for you there unfortunately most oh no let's not yeah let's not make any mistakes but uh yeah you know i mean no disrespect to mr david blau sorry if you're listening but (laughs) Um, I mean, look, I'm looking at the target numbers here. The first five games of the season with Stafford for Galladay, nine, 10, eight, nine, nine. 
So, yeah, no, Stafford was peppering this man with targets. We did have a 12-target game. I believe that was Blau in week 15. Yeah, I wasn't, I'm not exactly sure if that was him playing that game. I think that he was. But it, it was t- it a little bit more inconsistent than with Stafford, who really was peppering him, even with Marvin Jones out there, which, you know, you love to see. You love to see that Galladay can still get a high volume, even if Marvin Jones is out there. Do we know Marvin Jones' situation for next year at this point? Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's still under contract. He, unfortunately, he's one of those guys that we signed him. I mean, it feels like forever ago, dude, but he was, uh, I don't know if you realize this, but he was Megatron's replacement. So okay. he was the number one receiver that year in free agency this time, and we went out and signed him. So the way that that contract is structured – um, unfortunately it's not the most favorable. So he's, I, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to probably work out a deal to get him, you know, cause he's a, he's a good receiver, man. He's I, a good I, receiver. Like I like, I like Marvin Jones a lot. I, I think that both of those guys are coexisting just fine. Yeah. I mean, it, if he could play the Vikings every week, my goodness. Um, but you know, four touchdowns aside, uh, you know, and back to Galladay, I mean, uh, I think, I think that, they complement each other well. They just brought back Amendola. I feel like the three of them on the field together, that's a great trio of receivers, and Stafford can work well with that. And I feel like when they were all healthy and on the field at the same time, which, geez, it feels like that was only a, a couple games last season because Amendola was banged up before Stafford. Um, but, you know, the end result of half of a season of Matt Stafford and half of a season of – our backup quarterbacks uh, still resulted in Kenny Galladay making the Pro Bowl. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a nod to him because he worked his ass off and, you know, he's, he's got a level head on his shoulders. It's nice to, as a Detroit Lions fan, see a guy like Galladay who's young. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's 26 and he's going to be, you know, going into this last season of his deal. And, you know, he, he's already expressed that he's not worried about it at all. And he thinks, every, you know, things are going to take care of themselves. And, um, you know, as a fan, you love to hear a guy be super cooperative like that. Um, but, you know, he understands that, you know, he's ascended into the upper echelon of receivers. And I, I just hope we can keep Stafford, you know, we can't, we can't uh, forget that, you know, Galladay in 2018 – uh, you know, Stafford was was beat up at the end of that season as well. So this dude's been producing, you know, no matter what. And it's good to see things like that. You know, he housed that first pass from David Blau. And uh, it doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball, man. He He's going to be a monster for sure. I love me some Kenny Galladay. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, you're, you got to take the shot. You know, you're going to pay up for this guy in Dynasty Startups. But I think you can get it still even – even this season, you're going to have like uh, get him in a nice area where you can feel comfortable drafting Kenny Galladay. Someone you're going to get probably at even more of a discount um, in redraft and dynasty is Cortland Sutton. And, you know, this guy, he had more targets to Kenny Galladay. He had more receptions. And, you know, he improved on his touchdown total uh, by two. So it went from four to six. And I think he really ascended he turned into the number one receiver that he really truly is. And I think, you know, Cortland Sutton, when he was coming out and the Cowboys, I remember, you know, the Cowboys had him in on a private workout um, and they were looking to maybe draft him with that first round pick. 
and they got uh, Vander Esch instead, right? You could have argued that they could have gotten Cortland Sutton there and have had their number one receiver. It wouldn't have to deal, be dealing with the Zamari Cooper situation because now Denver has themselves a, a stud um, in Sutton, and they have Drew Locke who came out, and look, he played decent. He played pretty well and was moving the ball down the field, gave this Broncos offense a little bit of life, a little bit of swagger out there. Um, I mean, we saw the videos of him rapping Young Yeezy. Like, this guy is – he has a little bit of flavor, and you need that, you know, at the quarterback position. And, and it's kind of more, you know, we thought we had that in Baker Mayfield, and the opposite it really happened this year with him being kind of a dud out there but drew lock that's kind of what we wanted to see in baker was him coming out throwing the ball around looking to his number one receiver um there was the one game where he had two touchdowns through to portland sutton and he gave him 10 targets in multiple in two games uh at the end of the season so lock hopefully you see uh, some you know improvement and he's going to be the guy going in, you know, after an off season. Of course, we saw it with Baker Mayfield where he didn't succeed. You know, you, I think this is a, a really good comparison with Baker. Um, you know, a guy that came in at the end of the year, had some juice, but, you know, could that fizzle out? Um, and, and we have some regression. It is up for debate, but I do think that um, with Cortland Sutton, the way that they have uh, this Broncos offense, I, I think that the targets will still funnel to Sutton. So you're really getting a lot of safety there. What are your thoughts on Sutton and Locke and this whole Broncos offense? But it's, it's crazy the similarities with, you know, Locke and Mayfield, isn't it? I mean, I really didn't even think about that until I was talking about it. And I was like, wow, yeah, this actually does. These guys really do have a lot in common. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is, though, is it's like, you know, coming off the rookie season and going into the second year, I mean, that's when we typically see these first and second round quarterbacks, you know, that's when they take the biggest leap. And it's like, we really kind of got let down by Mayfield. So it's like, I, and that's kind of abnormal, you know? So for me to think that, cause I like Drew Locke. So, I mean, I, I think that's going to be kind of, a, and I'm not going to bring the, you know, drag the Browns around in this, but I feel like a lot of that was, you know, Freddie Kitchens play calling and right um, and, and yeah. all that. I mean, just, Definitely. just let Todd Monken call the plays, man. Jeez. But it's, uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot of that um, is not something that Drew Locke has to worry about. And it's, and it's funny because, you know, we're talking about the similarities between, between these, these quarterbacks, but then also similarities between, you know, Galladay and Sutton, they had dealing with different quarterbacks you know, halfway through the year and, right. um, you know, at the same time, it's, uh, it, it's weird. Cause I, I did think Sutton was going to be a cowboy and I thought Michael Gallup would be a Bronco and now they're on the opposite teams. <laughs> um, and I feel like these guys are going to be compared, you know, for, for probably quite a while, but it, it's just, it's funny. The thing I, I find funny with Sutton's value and, and you might, you might have noticed this and maybe you feel the same way, but like 2018, you know, Mandy Sanders goes down and you're like, oh, okay, we want to see what Sutton can do now that he's going to be the guy. And sure, you know, it was disappointing. I'll, I'll just say, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't super disappointing, but it's a guy that, you know, high draft pedigree. I mean, people probably expected a little more out of Sutton, I guess. But then it's like the opposite last year going in. 
Joe Flacco was just a total disaster. Yikes. And then they trade Sanders, who, by the way, I was dead wrong on. I did not expect him to come out uh, guns blazing like he did last year. But they move him out of Denver to San Fran. And a lot of the sentiment felt the same. Like, oh, he's just – it's going to be the same thing like last year, you know, he's not going to be able to, you know, to cut it. And, um, you know, like he's not going to be able to handle the team's best corner or what, you know, what have you, you know, there was all this negative talk about, about Sutton. And I mean, dude just went out and balled. So he delivered, you know, that first game with Locke, I mean, five targets, four receptions, 74 yards, two touchdowns, just super efficient against, Casey Hayward, the best corner in the game. I mean, he time after time, the dude just proves you wrong. Um, and maybe I'm just, when I say you, I'm talking about myself because every week in DFS, I would fade Cortland Sutton and he would make me pay by literally flying into the end zone and catching a ball <laughs> with one hand. I mean, I, if there's literally a specific play where he jumps from like the three yard line into like halfway to the back of the end zone and catches a ball. So yeah, dude really did have a good season. It's funny, man. These two players, I, I picked them for a reason. Galladay and Cortland Sutton, similar season. Uh, 72 receptions for uh, Sutton, 65 for Kenny Galladay. Within 10 targets of each other, um, within 50 yards uh, receiving. And what's the big outlier? It's the touchdowns. And it's, yeah. 11, it's 11 for Galladay. He's one of three players last year. For, uh, to go over 10 touchdowns. I'm blanking on the one guy. The other was Mark Andrews. I no, but you're right, though. I mean, you look at these these similarities. Uh, but, the, you know, I will say this, though. The one the one thing that even though Galladay does have the edge in touchdowns, you know, I felt like Sutton's consistency was the thing that a lot of people were just not – they were just overlooking it. I mean, if you take a look – you know, the I believe is the game before the Drew Lock game uh, against the Bills. But I mean, come on, dude! Like the Bills shut down everybody last right. year, right? And that was the only game where he had. Um, we well, had two games where he had less than four catches. But uh, when you look at that, I mean, just two games where you didn't have at least four catches. That's pretty consistent, especially if you compare the game logs to Galladay. So I feel like that is is something where uh, you know these guys are both making a name for themselves and both pro, you know, Sutton pro bowler as well. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, and these guys are definitely on the up and up and just for like a value comparison sake, you know, uh, looking at the fantasy pros uh, dynasty rankings, you know, Galladay's in there as a consensus number 12 and Sutton at number 15 and the only two guys between them, Keenan Allen and AJ Brown. Uh, well, I personally have Sutton over Allen um, but again, these guys are neck and neck in the ranks, just like we were talking about Singletary and Montgomery. Man, hesitant to ask, because I think I already know the answer, but you're on the clock. Who are you taking? <sighs> Dude, you know, honestly. Let's it, say redraft. Let's say redraft. I mean, if it's redraft, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count on Kenny Galladay giving me more, you know, being, being in that same area of the touchdowns. Maybe he's not going to get to double digits, but – I think like nine touchdowns, right. something like that is reasonable. It with seems a full like house. his floor is like seven or eight. Yeah, and that's the only thing. I think I think his touch uh, I think his touchdown uh, floor is a little bit higher, and I feel like a full season of Matt Stafford is going to help. Just like a, but I think it's going to help a little more than a full season of Drew Locke helps Sutton. You know what and I mean? And that's fair. Just, and I agree completely with that. Um, and, and you're right, like this floor and the ceiling is higher as far as touchdowns go. Um, Galladay's ceiling is just higher overall 
Um, you you got to really think there. Um, the one advantage of Sutton, he's he's the unequivocal guy. There's no Marvin Jones out there with Sutton. I mean, we saw Deshaun Hamilton really just not uh, make the best of his uh, opportunity there when Sanders got traded. I really thought that he would step up, but he did not. So Sutton is the clear guy. So I think that that's the only really advantage you can see there is that you know that you're getting that uh, that funnel target volume there. Let's talk about Hollywood Brown. And, you know, I wrote here on the doc, forgotten man, you know, and I think that's kind of what he is. Who is everyone talking about right now? It's AJ Brown, right? You know, it's um, Terry Debo. Debo Debo and AJ Brown are the two main ones and Terry McLaurin, um, you know, and for, for good reason. But all of these guys, specifically in Dynasty Startups right now, where recency bias is, of course, a thing, um, everyone is going crazy over A.J. Brown. You know, you mentioned it. What was Fantasy Pros have him at, 13? Yeah, I mean, A.J. Brown's right there with these guys. I mean, that is, you know, that is, in my opinion, like I haven't ranked out anybody. He's probably going to fall in somewhere around there. That just sounds high, right? I mean, it just sounds high. I mean, A.J. Brown is a great player. He has an amazing uh, potential right now. But it was one season of Ryan Tannehill. And, you know, are we really that, that, that sold on this Ryan Tannehill, you know, ex- the Ryan Tannehill experience in Tennessee? I mean, we just have to, like, really think about this here. Hollywood Brown coming out um, had the highest ceiling of any wide receiver coming out of the 2019 class. I mean, would you say that's safe to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, that's, he was everybody's favorite. Right. You know, I mean, I, I like all the draft guys. I, I mean, mean you know, the, the draft Sam, Twitter was in love with them. Right. I mean, I guess you could argue before the draft, you know, everybody was all over Hakeem Butler. Uh, everybody was all over, you know, DK. And of course, the combine guys were scolding him. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, his value dipped because of that uh, from a fantasy perspective. But, you know, Marquise Brown, he is in a great situation right now. And we know that he's the guy in Baltimore with the MVP, Lamar Jackson, who, yes, we should expect some regression. I mean, look what happened with Patrick Mahomes. He, surprise, he didn't pass for 50 touchdowns again. You know, so you can see that similarity with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we might see some regression, but what we're going to see from Marquise Brown, as long as the Ravens don't make any moves, is he's their number one receiver. Um, He's going to be out there for most of the snaps. And yes, they are a run first team, but you're getting this, you know, very young stud of a wide receiver at such a discount because of what I just mentioned, Debo Samuel, you know, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, these guys are going to go ahead of Hollywood Brown. And lo and behold, the, the dude with the highest ceiling coming out of the 2019 class is just sitting there. You know, like I said, with this explosive player in Lamar Jackson, he's the number one receiver going into his second season, guys. I mean, we have to think about Hollywood Brown as being just like right now, crazy value in Dynasty Startups. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you take a look at uh, the guys that we're kind of pitting him up against. You know, we already talked about A.J. Brown uh, maybe being a little high between guys like Galladay and Sutton in the rankings. But right now, if we're looking at the consensus dynasty, I mean, I'll just I'll just read them right off. Uh, They have, you know, 29 McLaurin, 30 Debo. And then there's Marquise Brown. He's literally right there. So all three of these guys neck and neck. 
going into their sophomore season. And I feel like there's a ton of similarities between, you know, where the Ravens are right now with their offense and where the Chiefs are, uh, or I should say where they were a year ago. Now, of course, as you know, me and I record this, the Chiefs aren't even yet a month removed from being Super Bowl champs. And it's, it's different in the way that the Chiefs offense has this guy who's still, you know, a great athlete, but has probably the most impressive arm I've ever seen. And they're trying to work in ways where they can, they can use him. And it's like, they're still discovering the things that they can do. And like, what have we unlocked, you know, in this, in, in this mystical being, and that's how the Ravens are right now. But it's, it's not necessarily because of the arm, but it's because of the athletic potential from, you know, Lamar. And it's just, you know, he's like you said, MVP, I mean, the dude led the league in touchdown passes. So you, you love having one of those main targets, right? And you mentioned Mark Andrews getting all those touchdowns. You know, that offense is very, very tight end centric when they get down in the red zone. But when you think about it, that's the perfect way to run this offense. You get down close. They don't know if it's just going to be, you know, Ingram or Lamar. You got all these tight ends in there. And then you got Hurst and Andrews. You know, who for as many touchdowns as, uh, you know, Andrew said, you, you mentioned the Lamar touchdown regression. I think a big chunk of that's coming off Andrews because, you know, he's not even out there for, you know, all the snaps. And, sure. uh, you know, in comparison to how they're using him, I, I feel like that just makes the upside of Hollywood Brown that much more appealing. And I, and I think just like I mentioned, some of the consistency being kind of like a hidden source of, of value for Sutton. Uh, I feel like the inconsistency is, that we've seen from Brown, you know, of course he popped off in that first game and, you know, just kind of left people wanting more of that. And we never really saw that massive. I mean, he never even hit a hundred yards in any game after that. So right. uh, some of the, some of the inconsistencies from Hollywood, I think is the reason that his value is so low, but, you know, but to see him kind of grouped right with those guys uh, that we just talked about, you know, with McLaurin and um, Debo, it's, it's not surprising, uh, but, it, but there's a reason that he's still there with those guys that were a little more consistent. And I think it's because of the upside. Yeah, 100%. All of these guys have a more, a higher volume of targets. You know, each of the guys that we talked about right there, you can tell um, that that's how it's going to be in the immediate, immediate future. This is a run for his team at the end of the season, they don't need to throw the ball down the field. They are a methodical run first offense. And there's Hollywood Brown is going to be game scripted out in games next season. It's going to happen. You're going to have games. And this is, you have to try to see that with the schedule. You have to understand that. And you can't necessarily play him every week. He's not there right now. Um, as we speak, and he may not be for a couple of years. It might take some time for him to be that guy, but we know seven touchdowns last season. He had two touchdowns in, in two separate games. Um, you know, we know what kind of player he is. He is that boom type of player and he should be used as such, you know, and I think that's where he's placed right now. But I think in a few years, you know, or if let's say, you know, Mark Ingram leaves, you know, in two years and we still have Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson, you know, you could see a Ravens offense that looks a lot different where they are passing more in just, you know, a couple of years. So 
getting Amendala at, you know, the back of the seventh round in a dynasty startup, um, it's a beautiful thing uh, when you look at Hollywood Brown and, you know, the career that he could potentially have as one of the, you know, premier deep threats in the league. That's what he's going towards. That's what he's a ascend- I mean, he already is there, really, right? I mean, if we're talking about from a talent perspective, you know, he's really there as one of the premier threats. We just haven't seen him flourish just yet. Similar to what Tyreek Hill coming out of his first year. We knew the potential of Tyreek Hill. And then it came together um, and he was used more. They found more ways to use him. It could be the case with Hollywood Brown right away, really. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people when they're kind of digging into last year's numbers, because let's face it, I mean, from NFL, uh, that's all we have to look at is 2019 when we're talking about McLaurin, we're talking about, you know, AJ Brown, and we're talking about Marquise Brown, and you know, Debo and all these guys. And I mean, you want to take a look at what these guys have done. Um, you know, and that's what you kind of think of. You think of Hollywood Brown being a premier deep threat. That's obviously going to be something that – that's a trick he has up his sleeve. It, you know, it, it could be his calling card. But, you know, just for example, I mean, McLaurin's at a 62.5% catch rate, you know, and then we have A.J. Brown not quite at 62. And there's, and there's Hollywood Brown at almost 65%. So not only is he – you know, more of a deep threat, but I mean, he's catching more of his passes than these guys are in comparison. And I mean, the touchdowns are there too. You know, he scored seven touchdowns on 46 catches. And, you know, you want to look at some of the other guys, you know, like their yards per target, like, okay, so, you know, consistently, whatever rookie receiver kind of like leads their class in yards per target, that's kind of like, you know, this guy's like destined for greatness. Well, right now that's AJ Brown, but let's not forget that AJ Brown, had two plays last year where he pretty much caught like a slap and just housed it. Right. And, and that was a lot of that was poor tackling on one of those, man. It was just atrocious. And the other one was just, you know, it was a great play. Um, You know, so that's why his yards per target is spiked up so high. You have to kind of take those, those two massive plays into account um you know otherwise I mean Hollywood is is right there with those guys you know as far as like his efficiency and um you just I thought he was pretty impressive for only having like 71 targets I mean dude that's as many passes as Sutton caught right (laughs) you know so uh so I do think he is he is a good value we're gonna do a little switch up here Josh you ready? Okay. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're switching it up. Yeah, I have here on the dock where we're, we're going to talk about a dynasty stash, but you brought up an intriguing topic uh, before we got into this. And it was the Giants wide receiver situation going into 2020. So let's save the stashes for next week. Uh, when we get into our free agent episode, we'll start off with the stash. But this week, I want to talk a little Giants offense and I have a little bit of a bias here. I drafted Daniel Jones as my number one quarterback in the Superflex. So th- this is what happened. The quarterback run started, and I was on the tail end of that thing, and I had all that was left. I was hoping Jameis Winston, your boy Josh, would fall to me. I was okay with that, you know, as him as my number one. Of course, he got snatched up right before me, so – I went, yeah, I hear you. You wanted I those 5,000 yards, right? I wanted, I wanted 5,000 yards, yeah. I wanted Mike <laughs> Evans. I wanted Chris Godwin. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but, no, uh, you know, there was quarterbacks available. You know, I guess 
Brady and, you know, whoever, whatever starter I could think of right now, Kobe Brissett, guys like that were available. But Daniel Jones just gives me a high ceiling going into his second season. Um, And I think that this Giants offense can be a little bit better than people might think. So that means that there's value to be had at the wide receiver position, Josh. How are you looking at this situation? I mean, I'm going I guess I'll put you on the spot here because it's your it's your topic, and I guess you've thought about it a little bit. What what is your perception of this wide receiver situation? Yeah, just kind of you know was briefly thinking about this today, and like I said, I haven't thought too hard on it, but it just I thought it was interesting because I mean, especially if we're kind of you know looking at some of these things like you mentioned from a dynasty perspective with Jones. You know, from a dynasty perspective, uh, on two of my teams, I had Darius Slayton last year. And, I mean, that's a guy that I got for free, completely free off the wire. And in one league, I kept him because I'm really interested to see how this scenario plays out. And in the other one, you know, I sold him, and that was in our next Fan Up Dynasty League. Um, You know, it was worth it. I sold out. You know, flags fly forever, and uh, I'm flying my championship uh, flag right now so it's uh it, it did it did pay off but you know in that and I guess that's what dynasty is all about is the value and how relative it is so for somebody like you know like me if you on the other team where I still have Slayton you know that's a guy that I would easily throw into a deal if I was trying to upgrade and you know uh like at another position for example I, I feel like Devonte Freeman might be toast so I'm trying to offer him and Slayton in that same league for, you know, an upgrade at the running back position and dangling a pick, but it's, it, it's all relative to where the value is. Um, you know, in another league, I own Sterling Shepard and I just feel like, dude, I'm never going to get my value from him because he's always injured and why I continue to sit on him. I don't know, but I guess it's just because <laughs> we've seen two seasons now where he's had, you know, over a hundred targets. Um, but it's, it's tough because, you know, like you mentioned with Jones, it, it, this time last year, I really didn't even know what to think because we didn't know if the Giants were going to go and get a quarterback and the ability for EI Manning to support, you know, one, let alone two fantasy relevant receivers was kind of questionable. I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I just really felt like this time last year, we didn't know what you could expect from any Giants receiver to be totally honest and then you have a guy like Golden Tate going there you know and I mean down season for him you know yeah but it's you know 85 catches or 85 targets I should say you know nothing to nothing to be upset about Um, you know especially when the guy gets in the box six times Uh, so it's tough man because I don't know how these three guys are kind of gonna gonna play out I mean it's Part of me feels like targets to go around to Barkley and you have targets to go around to Evan Ingram. So, you know, how much targets are there really for all of these wide receivers? Right. And, you know, mentioning this wide receiver room, I mean, I guess that's kind of where I was kind of getting, that was drawing that out maybe a little longer, but that's kind of the point I was getting to is like, none of these guys are the number one target. It's, it's Ingram. And I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be some, something to behold though. we could ever get Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and Saquon Barkley all to just be healthy at the same time because I do feel like a guy like Golden Tate is a good complimentary receiver. Um, you know, he's definitely not a number one. 
Um, you know, Percy Harvin made made him well aware of that back in the day. And uh, you know, if you ever heard about the the trash can story, um, but Darius yeah. Slayton, I, I feel like Slayton is the most he's the most interesting dynasty piece right now. Um, but I feel like he's a sell, you know, just just because you got him for free wherever you're at, pretty much. Yeah, he's a good sell. I agree with that. I think that there can be there's multiple avenues for for Darius Slayton right now I mean Golden Tate obviously isn't going to be there um for a prolonged period of time um so once he's out the door you know you'll see more volume for Darius Slayton theoretically um but you know he's a sell because a lot of his damage was done Slayton's last year um with Ingram hurt with Sterling Shepard hurt so you have all these guys healthy including Saquon Barkley, who was out, missed time, was banged up even when he played. Um, So you have to factor that in because I think that you might be thinking, and this is just, you know, how I'm thinking about right now, you might be thinking that Darius Slayton is is a very sneaky, uh, you know, you're going to get him at value, and of course you are, um, but you might be expecting, you know, uh, an ascension of what we saw from last year, and that might not come to fruition because of the volume. Um, But the way I look at it, I mean, when I look at the receiver tree, you know, Darius Slayton on the outside, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, you know, both of those guys can play slot. um, But Sterling Shepard, I guess, would be on the outside if we're looking at a three receiver set. Slayton is the prototypical wide receiver one as far as his body and how he can get jump balls and who Daniel Jones feels comfortable throwing those 50-50 balls to. We saw last year it's Darius Slayton. So there is that, you know, there. I think that's where he's at right now. But how many targets can he really get? Yeah, and I mean, you saw he got the same amount of targets basically as Tate did. But like you said, I mean, it's just – there were games last year where, like, if you were playing looking for Giants value receivers, the dudes that were playing, like, a couple of them didn't even have pictures on DraftKings. And it's just like (laughs) – who are these guys? You know, there was like a game where Slayton had 15 targets, but I agree, man. Like, so if we're talking dynasty startup, I actually like Slayton quite a bit. So, um, you know, and for some of the reasons that you pointed out, I mean, we could see Golden Tate get moved by the trade deadline if the Giants aren't competitive, which, you know, honestly, I think they're a year or two away from that. Um, They they could prove me wrong. Um, You know, they did go to Jones, a lot earlier last year than I thought they would. I really thought we'd get to, you know, eight, 10 games of Eli Manning and then you'd see the Daniel Jones, but no, they did. They went to him very early, which I thought was good. Um, You know, from, from a growth standpoint, obviously I think in today's NFL, you have to kind of put those QBs out there right away because I mean, how else are they going to learn? But, um, but, you know, I, I feel like they'd be fine getting rid of golden Tate because they still do have, you know, Cody Latimer, not like he's, you know, a stud or anything, but, um, you know, he does provide a little depth for that team. And, uh, you know, they, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they, you know, added another receiver in the draft. But, uh, but yeah, man, Slayton can go up and get in the ball. Uh, you know, so he's definitely intriguing. Um, but I'll just be totally honest. Like, if we're talking dynasty startup, I, I'm, I'm a little lower than the field on Shepard. We, we've seen high-volume games from Shepard. We've seen, you know, good games from him where he, you know, really 
can take command of, you know, the target share in a given, you know, quarter or two. Um, and then he ends up with a nice day on the box score. But it's just we haven't really seen that longevity. And it's a big part of that is health. Um, so, you know, maybe we could get a full season of him and really confuse us uh, in, in the terms of dynasty and what we make of Sterling Shepard there. Um, but, you know, Darius Slayton's on the up and up in this Giants offense. I, I think that's the guy I think we're talking about here. Of course, you know, I think that Shepard, you know, you're going to get a great value for him wherever you are um, in drafts, in redraft or uh, dynasty startups. I think with this Giants offense, what you really want to do is you want to go for Evan Ingram because that's like that's the number one that that's the look for the Giants offense. Um, and everybody else is going to split targets. I mean, three ways. Um, so that's really how, how you have to look at it. Barring injury, though, one of these guys can really step up and have a successful 2020 campaign. I think, you know, if Slayton were to miss time and then all of a sudden Sterling Shepard is there with Golden Tate, all of a sudden Shepard's you know, value rises. But what's the more likely scenario? It's Shepard getting injured and Slayton being the guy who steps into that role of a higher volume. And they already have the chemistry uh, there with Daniel Jones. We've already seen that. So I think that he's certainly the guy that you want to look for. Going into the second season, you know, just turned 23. So it's, you know, in Dynasty, I mean, this guy you can hang on to for a long time. There's a lot of room for him to grow into his abilities, uh, like what I saw last year and I just hope it's not a scenario like you mentioned where, you know, someone does have to get injured for us to see a lot of Slayton, but, you know, it'd be nice to see him just get worked in regularly, but yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, man. There's a lot of miles to feed with Barkley and Ingram and uh, you know, those are two of their top priorities. Josh, this has been fun, man. The first episode of the hot take is in the books. Um, How are we feeling? Oh, man, I can't believe it went by this fast already. We could do this uh, every week. Actually, that's probably a good idea. We should. Hey, you know what? Now that you mention it, let's do it. Um, <laughs> we're going to do it every week, and I'm excited to gear up towards the NFL draft. We're going to cover the free agent market next week. Uh, of course, I tease that Dynasty stash. We'll open up with the Dynasty stash, a running back that hasn't quite broken out yet, and we're going to cover the fantasy free agents Josh, you do work over at Fantasy Fantasy Pros. Uh, you know, please follow uh, Josh on Twitter. Josh, where can they find your Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at Josh Daly seventy two. It's D A L L E Y, and probably honestly going to be taking the year off from producing content just because it's from assignments. You kind of you know you dig up little facts and gems, but. Um, but taking, taking the year off is really going to allow me to kind of dig into the guys I want to, uh, you know, explore further and you know, I can get pretty deep down the rabbit hole. So it's, uh, when I kind of get onto something, I, I want to be having the liberty to go and do it. So probably going to free up a little, a little more time, but, uh, that just means I have more time to record more shows with you, my guy. Most definitely. And we're going to have a blast this year at the full-time fantasy podcast network. Follow full-time fantasy at full-time fantasy. Um, you can find the hot take on that website. You can uh, subscribe over on iTunes. Of course, we're at iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. But on behalf of Josh Daly, my name is Steve Petroni. This has been the Hot Take Podcast.
Thanks for listening to the Hot Take Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the guys on Twitter at FFProfessorST3 and at JoshDally72.